this epiphany story that we're sharing is the birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus was an epiphany to the Magi. To use the phrases that I shared earlier, it was a manifestation of the essential nature of God in human flesh. It was an intuitive grasp of the reality of the sign they saw in the heavens announcing the birth of the king of the Jews. As you think about that phrase for a minute, they were thousands of miles away. And they had records, possibly going back to Daniel, that there would be a sign in the heavens. And so intuitively, that would be on the basis of feeling, maybe more than fact, they set out. Believing that the, at the other end of that journey, they would, they would find the one born, the king of the Jews. For these magi, it was an illuminating discovery after months of travel from somewhere in modern-day Iran around the Fertile Crescent to Bethlehem. Again, thousands of miles. Can you imagine what people ask them? You know, like, where are you going? Uh, how long have you been gone? Uh, and you're going where? And you're going there for what reason? And then finally, the epiphany to the Magi was the culmination of great joy and beautiful worship. When the star stopped, and again, there's there's mystery. Uh, there's probably more mystery than explanation of what that star was and how, the, how a star would stop over a, a small village in Palestine. But for them, and then the story that is related to us, when that star stopped, they, they, they experienced exceedingly great joy, just like the shepherds did. And then when they came into the place where Jesus was. And if this ruins your Christmas story, I'm sorry. This was not the night of Jesus' birth. <laughs> this was after his birth sometime. Again, somewhere within two years of his birth. We don't know. We don't know the exact timing. But there they presented gifts. And they presented three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Again, I don't, want, I don't want to ruin anybody's story, but there probably were more than three magi. That we, we go with the three wise men because they're three gifts. But it probably was a larger entourage. And as they presented those gifts, every one of those gifts were given only to royalty. And as they presented those gifts, they laid themselves prostrate on the ground in recognition that this child was born a king. And these magi are not Israelites. 
they're, they're not Jews that were displaced. They were Gentiles. There's another epiphany that's happening at the same time, and Matthew wants us not to lose the significance of it. The birth of Jesus was an epiphany to King Herod as well. But his epiphany was of a very different sort. He had a sudden manifestation of an existential threat. His first emotion when the Magi said, where is the one born the king of the Jews, was fear. He had an intuitive grasp of the reality of fear because here is an exposure of his bogus claim to be royalty. Again, in the story of Israel, those that would sit on the throne as king of Israel would be of the Davidic line. Do you remember the promises made by God to David? There will be one that sits on the throne that's from your family. Herod was not of David's family. Herod had traveled to uh, Rome at some point, and he had purchased the throne of Israel. He was the client king. He, he served the pleasure of the Romans, not the Jewish people. I don't know. Again, I, I, you know, you, you want to find some sort of Jewish times or something, but, but there isn't one. I don't know how many people knew. How many, how many of the common people in Israel knew? Oh, Herod is not really our king. I, I don't know. And it, what difference it would have, it would have made any difference because if you would have resisted his rule, you would have died. So we have this illuminating discovery of the, the depth of Herod's deceit and the depth of Herod's hatred. For him, to go to the religious scholars of the day and ask the question, what do the scriptures say? And, I, th and I, I know and I hope that all of us understand that the Jewish religious community valued the, the scrolls greatly. They preserved those scrolls. They studied and read those scrolls. And they looked for things like, where is the birthplace of Messiah? And it didn't take them long to answer that question, the, the, the birthplace of Messiah is Bethlehem. And so for Herod to receive that word of the Lord from the scribes and then to go and in a deceitful way say to these magi, oh, go find that baby and then come back and tell me where you found that baby so that I too may go and give homage to that baby. Total lie. 
total deceit. And the culmination of Herod's deceit and his hatred came following a dream that came to the Magi, warning them, do not go back to Herod. Go another way home. Avoid Jerusalem as you return home. Because when Herod heard that he had been deceived, you know, a deceiver deceived is a really angry person. He erupted in rage. And he invited his troops to go to the village of Bethlehem and to kill every child two years old and younger. The Jewish king. False as he was, still the Jewish king. These two contrasting epiphanies I think are lessons for us and and they've been lessons since it happened. May we never fail to see the importance of responding to divine epiphanies as those who seek to worship the one and the only true king. Any epiphany that God's going to send our way in the day that we live is going to be an epiphany focused on Jesus and only Jesus. God is a disclosing God. God is a revelatory God. God has the whole history of humanity where he is introducing himself to human beings again and again and again. He's, he's never said to a human being, come find me. He's always said, I will find you. He's never said, come to me. He said, I'll come to you. Those are always the invitations of God. And we have a whole historical record of this, this God making himself known to us in the ways that we could relate to him. So any epiphany that's from him is going to be focused on Jesus. So may we never fail as Herod failed, as those that were working for Herod failed. They failed to see the importance of responding to this divine epiphany as those who would seek to worship the one born king of the Jews. We are not to follow those who defend an illegitimate usurper with fear and hate and violence against the most vulnerable. The same epiphany with two drastically different responses. The epiphany of Jesus, the one born the king of the Jews, an epiphany that came to the Gentiles is not only an invitation for us to celebrate 
like a, one of the, the huge foundation stones of our faith. We want to do that. We want to celebrate this, this very ah, strong foundation that our faith rests on. But at the same time, because there's an opposite epiphany, and it doesn't just stop there, it goes on up to our day, this, there's a call here for you and I to remain faithful to the only true king and to his coming kingdom. There's no government on earth that can provide us the rule that Jesus provides. And we as people following Jesus have entered that kingdom. We've entered his rule. So we represent another kingdom, a better kingdom, a forever kingdom. And that is to illuminate every other government on planet earth. Every earthly government, no matter how bad or how good, will disappear when Jesus returns. So my prayer for us comes out of the Lord's Prayer. May the Holy Spirit lead us far from temptation because we're vulnerable, we're gullible, and we're easily deceived. The ruler of this world who works through earthly governments is busy deceiving us concerning earthly government. May we be delivered from that evil one. And may our prayer be to invite the rule of Jesus to reside here. Let your kingdom come means establish your rule right here. Establish your rule right here. <laughs> establish your rule among us. Those that are seeking to worship the one and true living king, establish his rule among us. And we ask God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as Jesus rules here, to do through us what he wants to do. God, what do you want to do through us as we observe the established rule of Jesus in our lives? Amen. So I welcome your comments any questions you have concerning this epiphany message? Hey, Dylan. <laughs> I, I have to. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, I've actually done a lot. I've always been very interested in the Magi in particular. Um, as you know, I say lots of different religions, and the Magi were a title for priests amongst the Sarastrian religion, which was prominent in Persia, modern-day Iran. One thing that's uh, very interesting to me, and of course this word has different connotations back then than it does now, but the Magi, among many other things, were also astrologers, which is why they were looking to the heavens and looking to the skies to see uh, signs. And it's interesting that you have that account in the New Testament 
of specifically singling out somebody with a very different religious tradition. Uh, the Sarastrians were very, they, even though they're monotheistic in a sense, they're not Abrahamic. And even in the, this connects even to the Old Testament with how uh, it talked about King Darius and Cyrus and the other Persian kings uh, who were also would have been Sarastrian for the most part. And uh, to go to comment on what you're saying about it being very much a call to the Gentiles as much as to the Jewish people uh, in the Bible. That is the entire purpose of bringing as much detail as they did with the, uh, with, uh, the Magi. And so I guess the question is, after that epiphany, after that event, how much do you think that the Magi would have resembled what could be recognized today as Christians and not just necessarily Sarastrians who accepted Jesus? And is there a meaningful difference between these two, these two things? That's a, that's a great question. And I don't have uh, knowledge of that area of the world mm -hmm. or of Zorian Asti. But all I can take from this story is mm -hmm. that I think that these magi, how, how, how many of them, they were greatly impacted. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that they would give gifts and do homage to the king of the Jews, I, I would think that would stay with them on their journey home. And what they did with that, I don't know. Mm -hmm. but that's, again, Great question, and something for anybody to volunteer to do research. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it might even been somewhat of an evolving thing, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Because the revelation of who Jesus was mm -hmm. was a revelatory thing over a period of time, you know, through his life, certainly, but after his death and resurrection, right? So it's not impossible that the Magi have this encounter with God, you know, at the Nativity, mm -hmm. carried that with them back. The revelation of Jesus is not full at that point, but at some point it becomes full, the message goes out, and as they hear the message, you know, potentially, they could respond to it in its fullness. Yeah. And they have that, that seed that was planted. So, so you see like a work in progress, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, that's basically how the faith itself evolved. Yeah, that's I, I true. I don't think it's unreasonable to infer, and notice I'm saying infer because I don't know the history either. <laughs> I don't think it's unreasonable to infer because we see at the time of, let's say, when, you know, after the crucifixion and we see Peter and the Holy Spirit, there's a whole lot of different nationalities there. Exactly right. Yeah. I think you could, in, in my mind, I can infer that a lot of that was curiosity based that had begun when these guys went back and said, hey, something's happening over there. Yeah. We need to keep our eye on that. So, I mean, it's a possible, I mean, there's no way we can prove it or know it. But. I, I would agree. I, I think that. When um, God reveals himself to people, it's always a work in progress. I think that's a, a good word to use. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for the most part, I mean, you look at the churches that Paul planted. You look at uh, the guy um, in the ten cities, the demoniac guy that was had all the demons cast out of him. And, and Jesus says, no, you stay here until, you know, what's happening. Well, he wasn't fully trained. I mean, he didn't have... He didn't have the fullness of understanding. The people that Paul put in charge of churches were like, 
I mean, I don't know that I would have had the faith to trust them to plant <laughs> a church or something like that. So I think it's very likely that, you know, God obviously revealed himself to these, uh, the, the Magi. And, um, and by the way, I don't think that necessarily means you reject everything about your background. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that God works that out. But um, I think that if he started a revelation, I think he's going to continue that stuff. Well, an intriguing thing, uh, bringing it from back there to now, is that Iran, uh, by percentage of population, not by number, but by percentage, has been the nation where church planting has been the most successful. Really? Yes. Mm. So, we don't know if that was that seed there. I think we also know there were Jewish communities still in Persia. Yeah, that's true. Even after the return to the land. So it's interesting because Iran's always been a very religiously diverse place, or would be if it was allowed to be. But and just really kind of the modern situation that makes it really sad the way that the current government is. But I think like if you see into that, you would see a lot of religious diversity flourish and prosper there very easily. Including Christianity, which the fact that it's already doing so well over there without that uh, speaks volumes. Yeah. yeah, good lesson is radicalized religion, regardless of what the religion mm. is, is never a good thing. Yeah. Great, thank you, Dylan. Nice of to have you. Glad <laughs> <laughs> to be back. I have those questions again. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm really simple, so I don't go where Dylan is. <laughs> I'd love his questions and his thought and his mind and heart and everything. But yeah, I'm just thinking of, you know, an epiphany. You could think it's a big word and it happens in big things. But if you just think of it, it's, a, it's just like that aha kind of moment of, oh. And so I know I've, I've had those, and I'm sure mm-hmm. others have. Of where it just Maybe we call it insight or... I understand, I, we use different kind of words, but for those in my life, I know they're supernatural. It's like, they're miraculous. And and uh, it changes something in me. And so, just think of those guys, the same thing would happen, is that this something has happened, and it changes you. But you still, I still do bad things, and think <laughs> bad thoughts, and you know, <laughs> do things I shouldn't and I'm selfish and you know so it's not like it changes forever that you're this wonderful person because God has let you know something and experience something mm-hmm. you're still a human being right but still something switched and changed mm-hmm. and I, I mean for me they're miracles mm-hmm. to me because then it, and it's never the same whatever that particular thing is it's never the same and so that experience again they experience something you know, and for a long time they would have traveled, and then to keep going, and so they experienced something, and we can downplay experience, you know, mm. but what they experienced, nobody could take that from them, mm. just like for all of us, when we experience that with Jesus, and we know, it, there's no doubt, and you know, nobody could talk us out of <laughs> what the source of that was, because there is no doubt, and that's what changes us, and we take with us. And yeah, we can still do all the stuff that we do as human beings. Doesn't mean that goes away. 
but there still is something has changed and switched and we're different because of it. Right. And that's what I think of with, yeah, what happened to them and where'd they go and how did this, yeah. they had an experience that made, that were never the same. And I think they had to be convinced oh, too, right. because, no doubt. I mean, what would you think if you're going to, no doubt. I mean, miles and miles, and who knows how long it took them to get there to find the one torn king of the Jews and then they go and he's a poor manual laborer's child? <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute. But but they obviously knew what right. God had shown right. them. And so they continued on with their, mm -hmm. I mean, they gave them the gifts, you know? So, I mean, that's, again, it's supernatural. It is. You can't explain it all. I mean, if we put it in terms for us, it's like, you know, we're going to California and oh no, we're going to go to Maine. Like, wait, what? And why are we, what? People would think you're nuts. You know there had to be like a Doubting what? Thomas guy in the I'm back. I'm sure. Yeah. Like, really? Did they really do this? Of course. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I know. Let's go back. Yeah. We don't get in on all of those conversations they probably had. Yeah. Wait a minute, what are we doing? Uh, one question that occurred to me is, is the word epiphany specifically used in the original Greek? Because epiphany itself is actually a Greek word. Yeah, it is. Uh, okay. Uh, it's interesting because for the ancient Greeks, the Greek pagans, the word epiphany for them meant spiritual experience in general. And uh, modern Greek pagans still use that word to mean any general spiritual experience. So it's interesting that you see that word uh, now epiphany can just mean like a kind of like a, an idea or revelation now in more colloquial uh, English. But it's interesting to see the exact usage of it precisely preserved very well through the New Testament. Little etymology file. <laughs> Kathy online says she totally agrees with Susan. Nobody <laughs> <laughs> does on what they <laughs> Sudden, the Magi are being called from the east to 
the west, so it's this movement back, you know, to God. So it's it's this, you know, Scott, you shared it. It's God's intention for all of humanity to come to relationship with Him, but it's also this indication of a restoration of coming back to God. I wish Kathleen would have shared that too. Come on, share. I I didn't think about it like that. That that's a good point, though. remember the reminder in this is there's a call here there's an invitation here for us to remain faithful to the revealed king of all and so let us as a community of people strive to follow Jesus and to be faithful and he transforms us through these epiphanies he's, he's moving us forward to something better always so may that remain with us from our time this morning.